Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Little Dudes Insect Academy podcast. I am super stoked to be here in Washington, D.C. at the ESA conference this year um, with my friend Lohit. So um, without further ado, uh, welcome to the show, Lohit. Go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience. Hi, thanks for having me, Braden. Uh, my name is Lohit. I'm a 26-year-old entomologist working out at Towson University right now, and I study pregnancies. <laughs> Nice, yeah, so we'll get into that a little bit more, but um, let's just start with uh, where did you go to school and how did that, um, how has that uh, uh, infer- that, that uh, process gone so far for you? Yeah, so, um, you want me to start with my undergrad? Then yeah, just start yeah, from sure. the beginning, yep. Um, yeah, so I went to UC Davis for my undergrad. I actually didn't come in as an entomology major, though um, I did have an interest in insects for a long time. I've right. actually been raising mantises in captivity ever since I was six years old. So wow. I've definitely been interested in them, but I uh, didn't think about it as a career path until I was fortunate enough to run into the entomology club and their faculty advisor who pointed me to the direction of the Bohart Museum of Entomology and all the awesome people there. And they sort of took me under their wing. And as someone who had no scientific background in research in insects, but just an interest in insects, they were super welcoming. and. I just fell in love with it. So uh, from there, I just continued to stick with mantises, uh, wanting to do research on mantises. um, And now I'm doing a master's at Towson University. Very awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's get into your, a little bit of your, uh, your work that you've done so far. So praying mantises, what originally got you interested in praying mantises specifically? (laughs) Um, That's the big question, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm sure, as you know, there's a ton of entomologists doing a lot of awesome research with a lot of awesome insects, and I always love hearing about other people's research, and I always find it very interesting in a a once-removed sort of way. You know, I I love hearing about it. But for mantises, something about them, and I still haven't figured out what. Yeah. (laughs) It just really drew me to them. Um, I think they are very charismatic, as many people would agree. The prey capture is super interesting to watch. Um, I was very fortunate in that my parents didn't mind me keeping a bunch of bugs in my room. And so I had a constant vested interest in watching all these cool animals develop in captivity and get to witness some of their behaviors and stuff that, you know, normally you might not be able to be privy to. And I think that definitely stoked my interest in a big way. Yeah, that's that's super awesome, and that's kind of how you originally got interested in entomology. Also, that kind of uh, they're kind of a combo, or was that later? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I knew about entomologists as a concept in the mm-hmm. past when I was younger, um, and I always thought it would be very cool to you know do something like what Steve Irwin did or right. Jeff Corwin did, you know, being out in nature and l- being a part of nature and looking at these cool animals. For sure. Um, but I never really understood what it could be as a career path until right. I found the research at Davis and the community there that was all super helpful and, and welcoming and I really felt like I fit in and it was kind of a lock and key situation where um, after being in the research space for about a year or so, I was like, wow, this is really something I want to do. And Mm. if I could do it on mantises, then that's fantastic. So, yeah. yeah. So let's start with your undergrad. What were some of the projects that you worked on in your college career so far? starting with your undergrad. Yeah, sure. So in my undergrad, uh, one of the first things I worked on in the Bohart Museum was working on um, this project called the LepNet database. So we were taking um, moths and butterflies that were cataloged and sort of um, adding their database online to be available for other entomologists to use. Um, Not mantis-focused, but the nice thing about that is as the other sort of task that I gave myself is I was able to sort the mantis collection at the museum 
So that was fantastic. So we moved the collection from about four or five drawers into about 10 to 12 drawers separated by family and genus and species mm. and such, as, as best as I could get at the time. Um, and then after that, I worked in the Phil Ward lab with ants for a little bit. Nice. Um, and I worked with uh, Brendan Boudinot, and I learned a lot from him. And I took that a lot of that knowledge with me when I moved to the Juice and Bond lab after that. And we actually published a paper together on the Mantodio of Belize. So um, if you're ever in Belize and you need a handbook on what mantises are there, you can go find that publication. And really? There's a great awesome. uh, interactive key that you could use. Yeah. Yeah. So how about how about next with your, your master's? Well, how about that? Yeah, so currently my master's thesis is looking at prey capture variation in praying mantises. So okay. we've been filming a bunch of species in high speed, um, thousand frames per second, because they are super, super fast. Super fast, uh, yeah. Super fast, and um, we've been seeing some really, really cool stuff. Um, I don't want to spoil the data yet. I don't yeah. wait for it to publish, but yeah. we are seeing evidence that different species are hunting differently and very differently in some cases. So wow. sort of breaking the stereotype that they're generalist predators as a whole, um, and we're seeing that's probably not really going to be the case. Different species and specifically different mimicking mantises that are mm. mimicking sticks versus flowers are going to be hunting differently. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So what, so, okay. So if a mantis looks like a flower, it's going to attract pollinators, right? And mm-hmm. so you're seeing that that is a common food choice of the mimics based on what they will attract. Is that right? So we haven't actually done a dietary analysis yet. Mm-hmm. That's the next step that we're hoping to do. And right. that's going to be some other student's thesis. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> after I'm gone. But right now I'm sort of categorizing the variation in the actual strike itself. So yeah. looking at how fast, how wide the strike is, um, the position of the prey relative to the mantis that induces the striking or feeding response, wow. how much the mantis lunges during the strike, stuff like that. Yeah. Wow. So there's a lot of variation there, even though it's the same mechanism. Sort of yeah. Interesting. So yeah. you've been keeping mantises personally. Correct. Um, how many do you have currently? Currently, it's a lot less than it used to be. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, doing graduate school, I am somewhat limited on time. But yeah. um, I'd say probably at the peak, including all the babies that they have, because they have many, yes. it's probably closer to the, the in the five, six hundred range. Oh, my gosh. Um, now, it's, yeah. now it's more like 50, 60 yeah, um, which still seems like a lot, but it's actually quite manageable. Yeah, little uh, enclosures. They're yeah. all pretty small. Yeah, they're yeah. pretty small. So, yeah. um, but it's still a great way just for me to unwind, but also just keep that interest alive. And yeah. you know, it's there's always moments where I get to notice something that I didn't quite notice before, and it, mm. it sort of alters the perception that I have of the animal. And like, oh, okay, I didn't know it did this. So maybe it's functioning slightly differently than I thought in the environment. And it's actually been super helpful for me because when I go to other places like Arizona, or I travel abroad to, to collect insects, um, mantises specifically, seeing some of those cryptic behaviors or mm. um, the way they're behaving in response to certain stimuli really helps me find them in more complex environments. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So have you gone traveling a bunch to go and collect them in the wild at all? Or um, are these are these videos you're recording, they're in a lab, right? Correct. Yeah. So the, my thesis research currently, we're uh, filming them a lot in the lab setting. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are missing some environmental component of the data, um, which it's tough because with mantises, you know, they're already hard enough to find as is, even for me. <laughs> and right. I think I like to think that I'm quite good at finding them, but yeah. they are they are good at what they do. They're great at camouflage, um, and so finding them and then let alone seeing the actual prey capture event in the wild undisturbed is 
you know, extremely rare. It's yeah. very unlikely to happen. So these lab studies are probably the closest we're going to get. Um, and by doing a lot of replicates, we can sort of get a good idea for what the actual eliminate nature of the, the yeah. outliers. Yeah, eliminate outliers, exactly. Um, but yeah, I have gone traveling. Um, I don't know if it's a lot by some people's standards, but I've been uh, to Belize and uh, more recently Guyana to collect mantises. Um, cool. And usually I go to Arizona almost every year uh, just with some friends and I collect mantises there as well. Uh, and I'm actually describing a new species from Arizona and it's not oh, really? a small one. So nice. <laughs> uh, Congratulations yeah, on that. Thank That's you. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so how do you get these mantises or do you have special... Um, you know, privileges working with the college to obtain some of them. Yeah, so, I mean, a large part of the um, man, the insects I used to keep um, were just sourced from domestic hobbyists, so other people who were just interested in the hobby, yeah. um, they just have them, and I'm like, hey, do you have extras that you don't want, or do you want to trade for something I have? I mean, when you're growing up, when you're in middle school, high school, you don't really have a lot, a lot of money to just toss around and yeah. get stuff. But of course, now working at a university, we have, you know, USDA permits and, and such to actually house the nice. animals. And Towson has a fantastic vivarium, actually. So it's a climate controlled room where we're able to house all these species and, and you know, get some great projects out of it. So That's really yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. So um, I think, have we covered your research pretty well? Or? I would say so, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Um, let's move on to uh, who kind of who do you kind of look up to? Like, who's your inspiration, both in the world of science or just personally, um, whether you know them or not? Um, you know, oh, are they, you know of them or <laughs> yeah? Uh, you know, who's uh, your inspiration, really? That's a big question. Yeah, um, I think it's hard to pick. Oh, it feels like a hand wavy answer, but it's hard to pick one person because the thing that right. I've sort of realized and. You know, I've been in several different labs now, and I sort of take away different things from each experience. I think each professor has, that's one of the great things about science is that when you have people in different disciplines or with their own background, they have a different perspective on the same problem. Right. And so seeing how different people approach that has been super, super informative for my um, career and the way I think about things as well. So uh, short answer is, I would say, Every PI that I've had, I look up to extremely <laughs> a yeah. lot. Um, I think probably one of the people that had the biggest impact on me in terms of my career is probably the graduate mentor that I had, Brendan Boudinot. Um, he's, he's been walking around. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, he's a great guy. Um, I was still sort of on the fence about jumping to research, and he... You know, he very much convinced me through just being extremely passionate and excited. Um, and I think that's a great lesson for anyone. I mean, if you're excited and passionate enough about something, everyone's going to be interested in it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's really awesome. Yeah. So um, we talked about your uh, husbandry uh, hobby, but mm -hmm. are there any other hobbies or activities that you enjoy in your, in your spare time? Yeah. Um, I do a lot of macro photography, so oh, nice. um, I, I have an Instagram where I, I post some science communication stuff and macro photography just to Very sort of fun. show people, like, you know, these are some close-up details of these insects you might be missing or just a little facts about them. Yeah. Um, and that happens just to nicely go hand-in-hand -hand with the other things that I do, so there is For that sure. benefit. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think other than that, I just generally enjoy nature, so hiking, um, you know, just being out in nature is always great. Yeah, yeah that's really yeah. awesome. Yeah, so um, moving forward to uh, what are your plans for the future? What, what are you thinking some more research um, you want to go and do? Are you thinking about maybe a PhD? Um, 
any future trips you want to go on, things you want to do? What are your goals for the future, really? Oh, there's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely want to pursue a PhD. Um, my hope is to one day be a PI myself. Nice. Um, I think the, the thing that's been sort of tough for me is there aren't a lot of people working on mantises, and so finding a PI that is willing to work with me on mantises is been a little bit challenging but there are okay. PIs out there and yeah. so um, I think not just with mantises but there are you know other groups where there are a few researchers working on them and I would I would like to be a PI where hopefully we have some students that do work on mantises but also provide a space where students that are working on groups that don't have a lot of work done on them could have mm -hmm. that space and potentially start their own lab in doing so um, right. because I think I would not have gotten this far in my career had you know, people not giving me the opportunity to work on something that I liked um, and being able to stick with it. So, yeah, I think that's extremely important. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Very cool. Yeah. So um, last thing it, before we wrap up, sure. um, where can my viewers go to learn more about you and what you're working on? Maybe social media or uh, you mentioned your Instagram with Macro. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, yeah, where can we go to learn more about you, your research, um, maybe the lab that you've worked in. Um, yeah, where can the viewers go to learn more about you? Yeah, so um, so I'll, I'll start with uh, the, the lab website and the lab that I'm in. It's the uh, Towson University Mantis Lab. So if you just search that, it'll come right up and okay. you'll see my advisor's uh, smiling face with a butterfly net and, nice. and all our lab members. Um, and uh, yeah, so it, it should come up immediately. And then my Instagram, where I do a lot of my science outreach, is Mantodiology. So study of mantises bit nice. on the nose <laughs> nice. um, but i do post about other things so if you enjoy other bugs as well i also include other insects i'm nice. i'm slightly biased just slightly <laughs> very cool yeah um thank you so much for being on the show sure. this was super fun yeah, super interesting yeah. praying mantis are so cool i love them yeah. um yeah <laughs> so thank awesome you so much for having me Braden. thank you yeah. yeah this was super fun yeah